You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome, everybody, once again to the Oz Network as we continue and end our epically long month that has been Bad Movie Month, and it might have gotten just a tad longer for some people as we close it out with a certain movie that is often regarded as one of the worst movies of all time, hence why we're doing it on this month. It's swept away the 2002 mega-hit... For some people, the rest of the world um, saw this at a video store and thought, oh, Madonna's in a movie. I'm going to ignore that one. And I'm very excited to find out just how badly one person, at least on this podcast, will be ripping into it. Another, I don't know what they're going to be doing. And then there's me. We'll find out soon. My name is Ben, and I'm not a fucking donkey. My name is Colin, and I'm sorry, i got nothing else. I'm bored. <laughs> And uh, my name is Rusty, and you don't need eyes to bake a cake. <laughs> One of the most quoted lines in movie history. <laughs> you don't need eyes to bake a cake. <laughs> um, now, I should mention that when we first uh, came up with the idea, well, I think, I think it was you, Rossi, who came up with this idea, if I'm not mistaken, for uh, Bad Movie Month. Um, the only idea that I wanted to throw out there was swept away. Um, so any, any opportunity to get a Madonna film. And for those who are not familiar with some of our other shows, perhaps, um, download Double Oz 7 to hear the love of Madonna that we get on, um, our James Bond podcast. But this is a, this is a movie that, um, hmm, yeah, I don't know even where to begin with this because I like Madonna. So therefore I'm going to like this movie. Um, Colin, how do you feel about Madonna? Uh, I'll okay. I'll try to be as positive as I can here. Um, You know, as a singer, I guess she's got some decent songs. It's not my style. It's not what I'm into. Um, I have seen her in one movie prior to this. I think, well, two because I saw her in Die Another Day. other than that, I saw her in Dick Tracy, and I never really understood why she got so much criticism as an actress. Because um, <laughs> Dino the Day is just a cameo. I'm like, well, it's a throwaway thing. You don't expect much from her. Dick Tracy, she was all right. What's Why is she so terrible? <laughs> then I watched this movie, and it, it all just came together. <laughs> um, if I had a shred of respect or interest in Madonna prior to this podcast, it's all gone now. Have you not seen A League of Their Own? Oh, yeah, I guess, well, I wouldn't consider that her movie, so I guess that's more what I'm saying. Yeah, she was okay in A League of Their Own as well. Okay, okay. Um, now, Rossi, I have no idea of your thoughts on Madonna. Uh, this is a part where either I know you're going to be on my side or Colin's side for the rest of this episode, so I'm intrigued to see what you say right now. So, I feel I have to compartmentalize her, because I think she's a fantastic singer, and I think that she did a lot for music. And that, but then the reason I just tend to not like her is her personality is just so frustrating. You hear all these stories from other celebrities who say that she's the most obnoxious person to interact with, and she's always about herself. And it's just hard to get behind someone like that. Um, but in terms of acting, I never thought anything negative of her because, I mean, the only instance that I've seen her in was she was in a random episode of Will and Grace, mm. and I was like, she was fine. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's. Nothing, you know, outlandish, crazy, ridiculous, bad. And then 
I saw this. (laughs) (laughs) Given what the script was, I can't blame her too much. (laughs) Like, because the lines itself of the movie were probably the worst part. Like, the script was pretty awful. So I think she did okay with what she was given. But, like, why did she even sign on to this in the first place? Well, I mean, I think there's one glaring reason why she did, um, and that's because her husband at the time wrote this movie and directed this movie. Um, and, yeah, we should mention it's a Guy Ritchie film, who, of course, really at this time, he was, I guess, very highly regarded, was he not, still? I mean, huge. huge. Uh, I mean, he really, you know, we live in a world now where really it's not, and, I mean, this movie might have a lot to do with that. But, um, yeah, I mean, he was still at the peak of his powers. So I think kind of coming into this, and it's obviously a remake of a, a 1974 um, Italian film. So, you know, there's there's stuff going for this. But um, I did kind of read, I think it was a quote by Guy Ritchie that said something like, oh, you know, I couldn't exactly say no to when she asked if I could be in the movie or something like that. So, um, I look... I'm not going to deny that I'm not a huge Madonna fan, particularly of her music, but, I mean, I, similar to you, Kyle, I mean, I haven't really seen her in a lot. I did see a Vita a while ago, and I did enjoy it. Um, and, I mean, I think she's good in a league of their own. She's fine in Die Another Day. I've not seen Dick Tracy. Um, Rossi, I've obviously seen that episode of Will and Grace. She's fine with that. But, I, I mean, at the end of the day, I think what this film actually represents is this isn't actually Madonna acting. This is Madonna on a holiday with some friends of hers, and this just happened. So they turned it into a movie um, to try and make it something, because I, I don't think Madonna acts at any point in this film, because similar to what you said, Rossi, she doesn't exactly have the best reputation for being Miss Nice Lady. And I feel that this yeah, is I what have, she's I, like. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I've heard a rumor that Madonna didn't know that uh, she was in this movie till she saw the trailer. <laughs> she wasn't aware there were cameras around her when they were filming. She's just so used <laughs> to it. That's just a rumor, yes. though. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I think, just like, every time I watch this film, I honestly just think, like, yep, this is just... You've seen it more than once? What's wrong with you? <laughs> I bought this on DVD! <laughs> oh, I, I mean, I was the one coming into this month saying, I'm a defender of Battlefield Earth. <laughs> I've been that movie last week, and I've never owned it. Well, I'm, I'm not saying I'm coming out of this buying this movie. Um, you mean, did buy it already. That's why. When I was, like, 15. Um, but <laughs> I sold all my DVDs, remember? Um, but, I mean, this was the first time that I'd seen this movie in a long time. Um, so, you know, I think I think basically what it was was I was in college, and... I was really starting to discover my Madonna fandom, I guess. And this had a really bad reputation, obviously, for for reasons. And um, my friend, I had a very good friend who was a huge Britney Spears fan. So he really loved Crossroads. Now, there's a movie that we've missed out on doing for this month. Um, so I used to have to always watch that with him. And I'm like, eh, it's, it's, it's pretty rubbish, but it's not as bad as people say. Um, and then I was like, hey, well, you know, Madonna did a similar one recently called Swept Away, so maybe I should get that. So I think it was, you know, like, I don't know, a dollar or something in a shop, or somebody paid me to buy it, I can't remember. So I bought it, and then I took it home and watched it, and thought, like, actually, that's not too bad. Like, I actually don't think it's as bad as everyone says it is. And I watched it again now, and I can definitely see why people think it's bad, but I don't, I still don't necessarily hate it as much as to other people on this podcast. Um, but... Um, yeah, Guy Ritchie. 
anyone else want to talk about him instead of Madonna? <laughs> well, it, it is interesting because like I've never seen his first two movies, which are the ones that he's famous for. I've never seen Locked, Stock, Two Smoking Barrels, or Snatch. I know those movies have like huge fan bases, and this came out after that. Like you said, it was like the height of his you know popularity and power. Like you said. And this movie just sort of ended it. And if you look at the movies that came after this, Revolver and Rock and Roll, I can't remember which one of those had Tandy Newton in it, so I did watch it for her. <laughs> but I wasn't, like, terribly impressed. So, like, now you look at it and he's making these big blockbuster movies like Sherlock Holmes, Man from Uncle, that terrible King Arthur movie that came out last year. You know, he's, I guess, transitioned from being a, a classy uh, British Tarantino which is where he started his career to now just being another blockbuster director who makes some decent movies. But it's it's just crazy how much this movie killed his career and how quickly. Because even though, like, Revolver and Rock and Roll that came out after that got decent reviews, I mean, nobody talks about them. Nobody knows they exist. And I, I think it's also a case probably, too, of, you know, these Madonna and Guy Ritchie obviously had a huge divorce and kind of, you know, just the, the paparazzi and everything that kind of went away with it. So, I mean, it was just another one of these things where really his life kind of just got entrenched in, you know, the Madonna circle. And it's similar to what I guess we talked about, you know, what was it during Mission Impossible 3, sort of like Tom Cruise's life kind of, you know, took over. Yeah. Um, and I mean, the one question which I think would be intriguing, and maybe we can, I don't know if we want to answer this now, but at the end of this film, it's like, would this movie be as bad if it wasn't Madonna? Like, if you put any other actress... Yes! You, you, you think well, it's not just Madonna no. that destroys this film? Well, okay, there are a lot of problems, which we'll cover throughout this, a lot of problems with this movie. But to a lesser degree than The Room, her acting is just, it's just so baffling that somebody delivers lines like that and acts this way and just just it it doesn't seem human in a way like there's something very alien <laughs> about her performance it just doesn't seem like a real person that it just becomes so distracting but she's Unlike not the only her, one well she is i mean <sighs> look at her characters. friends the female friends in the very beginning they're they're like and on the four lines <laughs> yeah but like they still have listen they're like at that thing when they were like what are you going to do tonight? And she's like, I'm going to think about it or something like that. And I was well, just like, I'm going to make a bold claim here. And I mean, you guys can back me up or <laughs> tell me I'm crazy. Um, part of the problem with this movie is that you have a character that's unlikable that you're supposed to like by the end, but Madonna never, she makes her so unlikable in the beginning that there is no redeeming her. And her performance is so odd that you just can't get behind her. This needed to be a funnier performance. There needs to be more humor behind it. We have Elizabeth Banks giving like four lines in this movie. Could either of you not see if this role were played by Elizabeth Banks that this would have worked a lot better? Like she's somebody who could have really pulled this role off. And it's crazy they have her here sidelined. And, you know, sure, right around the fact that it's supposed to be an older woman or whatever, but otherwise, she makes this movie work, I think, if if she were in the Madonna role. Yeah, I mean, I see it. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with everything kind of saying that there are other problems with this, but, I mean, I could see it. I don't know if it would make this any bigger of a hit, because, um, I, mean, I mean, even at this point in time, was Elizabeth Banks really even a known actress i mean i even forgot she was in this movie i'm like hey it's her 
Um, well, it's not like Madonna brought in a huge audience. For <laughs> well, it. I mean, I did. did he, I think it was the did opposite. Make a million dollars? No, it didn't. But I mean, this is this is something that I think is important to talk about. Is and it's I honestly, and this is where kind of I think that question comes from because. Yeah, I'm not going to defend Madonna's acting in this movie because 98% of the time it's rubbish. Um, but I think also this film did also get a lot of criticism because she was in it in the fact that if yeah. if Madonna if this wasn't Madonna and she wasn't in this film this would just be one of those forgettable films that kind of was like eh, that was kind of rubbish and it would just you know run, end up at TV at one o'clock in the afternoon or something like that the fact that Madonna was in it. I think gave this movie like those accolades of worst movie of all time and went straight to DVD and didn't even get released in Britain and you know won all the Razzies and that's where I think kind of the difference is with Madonna being attached to this film and, and why we're even talking about this film today. I mean, I mentioned Crossroads a few minutes ago. You think about any of these sort of early 2000s pop star-led movies, you know, Glitter, Gigli, like, I mean... A lot of them have problems outside of who's in them, but it's also they get a lot of criticism as well, purely because Britney Spears decided to act. So did Mariah Carey. Jennifer Lopez wasn't exactly kind of doing good at that time. So I think that a lot of the negativity around this film is based purely on the fact that this stars Madonna. Uh, I think that's true, just based on the fact that this movie's reputation... Like, I was shocked. I knew this movie bombed, like, bad. But I was shocked to look at the box office for this, which we'll cover on the end, which, as I said, not only is it less than a million dollars overall box office, it is, like, way less than a million dollars overall box office for a movie that had Madonna, that had Guy Ritchie's name attached. The reputation of this movie is too big for the amount of people who actually saw it. So it's fair to say that. But being one of these people who assume for years this is one of the worst movies ever made because Madonna is apparently a terrible actress, having finally seen this movie... I understand why this movie <laughs> is considered so bad. So uh, while I agree that the reputation is probably most from people who haven't seen it, I think if all those people actually did watch this movie, I doubt that they would have any better of an opinion. And it's also safe to say we say it killed Guy Ritchie's career. Well, you know, Madonna's uh, blossoming film career uh, essentially <laughs> was um, killed from this point onwards because uh, besides her uh, Die Another Day cameo and her Will and Grace appearance, uh, she, I believe, has not acted since. I think she did a voice in, like, a kid's movie. But, um, yeah, she pretty much hasn't acted since, and I don't think she will any time soon. She just turned 60 recently, so happy birthday, happy birthday, uh, Madonna. Let's get into this <laughs> film, though, because I know you two are dying to talk about it. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> basically, um, we see a lot of people getting on a plane. The one thing I will say that, and I, like, I'm with you, Con, I haven't seen any of the earlier Guy Ritchie films either, sort of, you know, that set him apart, so I'm not sure if this is just a Guy Ritchie style, but we kind of have this weird sort of editing mixed with slow-mo, just the way it's kind of, it, it happens throughout the film, which kind of annoys me, just the way that it, it happens. Um, and basically it's everybody getting on a boat because they're rich and essentially they're getting on a pervy boat with pervy people. Um, now they're, they're going from Italy to Greece or Greece to Italy or it's the other way around. I'm, I'm being, uh, Elizabeth Banks here. I can't remember which way it is. Um, but like we basically have, um, them being introduced to this crew and Madonna just being herself, complaining that she's not getting on that. She wants a gym. Uh, we get a weird sequence where we meet Giuseppe, uh, Guido. He's got a lot of names in this movie. Um, and then he shows... Oh, yeah. Pee-pee. 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 
<laughs> yes. Um, and Madonna wants a gym. Um, I'm, by the way, I'm not calling her Amber at any point in this film. It's Madonna. All right. Um, Madonna. So, Madonna wants a gym. He brings a exercise bike and a something else. And then they've got this sort of editing in between where you've got the crew laughing about it and Madonna complaining about it. Um, and we can get some subtle references that they're on this cruise, that there are deserted islands that have never been discovered before. Um, and then we have a dinner scene. This is, all of this is just kind of the same sequence, is it not, until they get stranded on the island. Um, I, oh, just, yeah. I feel like, honestly, we could just lump all... There's nothing, this is going to be the shortest podcast ever. There is nothing of substance to discuss. <laughs> We've got rich people on a boat. Madonna treats Peppy bad. He complains a lot. Um, <laughs> then essentially they're going to go out in a boat and get stranded on an island. Is there, is there honestly anything that you guys want to talk about in all of these sequences? Um, I have a couple things, unless Rossi wants What's to go he, first. Oh, sorry, yes, go Rossi. I, I have one thing I wanted to mention now that I read my notes. <laughs> Or go first, Ben. Okay. Either. Well, the, I wanted to re- um, reference the Errol Flynn, re- Errol Flynn reference. Um, who's a, one of the most famous Tasmanians to ever be a Tasmanian? There you go. If you didn't know Errol Flynn was Tasmanian, now you do. Uh, that's about it. Move along. <laughs> oh, okay. Rossi. <laughs> okay. First, I want to just like backtrack a little bit about like the film itself. Okay. Like for someone like who's in a romantic entanglement with Madonna. I feel like it should have been a role written more like Tommy Wiseau's character in the room <laughs> and not like an ungrateful character that you can't associate with. But anyway, that's that's a like whole point. You wanted her to be likable? Yeah, I feel like making her the least unlikable person at the very beginning of the movie mm-hmm. is not a way to sell that your, you know, wife, fiance, or girlfriend, or whatever, is incredible. Like, you're not, like, hyping her up. Like, because people are going to, no matter how the character changes the end of the movie, the people are going to remember, you were really miserable at the beginning of the movie. And people can associate that, the person, not just, like, the character. And people are going to be like, Madonna was really awful. I don't like Madonna. And so, like, that's not the association you want for someone you like. So I just thought that was really weird choice to give her like awful dialogue and scenes and just be an ungrateful person. Well, Rossi, Rossi, let's be honest here. I think Guy Ritchie did write that for her, but Madonna, again, as we said, didn't realise she was in a movie. So uh, there is an edit <laughs> somewhere probably where she's trying to be nice, but this is just everything that was happening. And Guy Ritchie's just like, oh, fuck it, just let it be in the movie. You know, one thing, just to go along with what Rossi said... Um, and this is my biggest complaint is that she's so unlikable in the building about the beginning. And I know the guy Richie would probably say, Oh, you know, the whole point is for her to be unlikable so that you could see the turnaround, the character, except this movie never shows us a moment where she turns around. It's just one minute. She's supposed to be a good person, but we have seen nothing change in her other than the fact that she's doing chores now. Um, <laughs> if she had been kind of like Ross said, maybe the least unlikable person uh, or the most likable of an unlikable bunch. I think this is a completely bizarre movie to compare it to, but you look at something like Mean Girls, if either of you seen Mean mm-hmm. Girls, you know, I'm married, so I've been forced to watch Mean Girls, and I will say I enjoyed it. It was a good movie. Uh, you look at Rachel McAdams' character in Mean Girls. She is the most unlikable person in that movie, but 
it's endearing because there's humor to it. She she played the role like as an actress, Rachel McAdams knew it was a joke. Madonna doesn't do that. Madonna's playing this as if in her mind she's the villain of the movie and nobody gave her the script for the second half where she's supposed to be likable. And there are a lot of scenes in these early parts where it's just she's playing it so totally wrong. Uh, the best example would be probably the one scene where I actually really liked the dialogue and thought they, they had somewhere where they could have gone with this, where there's the one friend and they're talking about capitalism and everything. And it's like an interesting political discussion. And then uh, they're talking about, you know, like, oh, blind people, you know, uh, uh, if, if there's a drug that cures blindness, you know, why wouldn't you charge an arm and leg for that? You know, you can make money off of it. And uh, she says something along the lines of, you know, those those blind people who need it, they should go out and get a job. And he's like, well, they're blind. <laughs> what job are they going to get? <laughs> Which, oh, that's the exact line. What's to stop them from getting a job and buying the drug? And he just is pausing. He's like, they're blind. Like, and she's like, yeah. But the, that's the closest she came to getting that her character is supposed to be bratty, but you're supposed to, from as the audience, see the humor in it. Mm. But at no point does Madonna do it right. And other times when she's delivering lines, it's like the, the only note I could make here on her performance for the first half hour is basically what we're talking about here is that it's almost like Madonna has never actually heard a human being speak before. <laughs> <laughs> you know, how you get, we, we talked about the, the room, just the bad high school acting is like, oh, hi, Mark. not even just a whole oh, hi, Mark, you know, <laughs> but you take it the other characters. Hi, Johnny. You're the greatest, Johnny. <laughs> Uh, any woman would love to marry you, Johnny. You, you should marry that man quickly there, whatever your name is. Everybody speaks like it's a bad high school play, but they're just speaking like they don't know how to deliver emotion right. Madonna is delivering lines like she has never heard a human being speak. It's just it's so strange listening to her in this movie. And that's why I really got why there was so much hate for her as an actress. I'm sure she has better movies than this. Maybe this is the wrong movie to really watch for her as like a leading woman, but... It's just awful. And other things like the the gym, even seeing the, the humor that Guy Ritchie tried to play in this movie where he's like, aha, here's your bike and here, jumping rope, jump, jump, jump. There were moments that could have been kind of funny, but it's just it's all lost in this movie uh, where she's just so nasty you don't care. And so by the time we get to them being shipwrecked, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about unless Ben really is done, <laughs> uh, and I'm okay with that as well, but – there's this immediate shift where the male character becomes so unlikable. And it's just now you just hate everybody in this movie and you just want it to be over. Yeah. And I think it's all very good points. And I think you, the comparison to Mean Girls is good. I was thinking to um, Devil Wears Prada, Meryl Streep, who obviously is meant to be very unlikable. But you get some sort of traits of that towards the end where you're kind of like, okay, well, you know. She's still a, a very unlikable, but there's some humanizing parts to her. And you love to hate her. Yeah, yeah, ex exactly. That's exactly right. And, yeah, I think Madonna's so far gone in the fact that you just do not like her character at all. And then, like, as you said, the shift is just... And we'll get to it. Like, because it's just that there's the one... The, the, the way it shifts basically is done through pretty much attempted rape. And then all of a sudden it's like... <laughs> Hey, I love you now. Oh, they're in love because he tried to rape her. Oh, isn't it sweet? No, it's not. Um, so, yeah. I mean, just, I really don't have a whole lot sort of on the boat stuff. I mean, I'm kind of like, I like the sort of the fish bit 
where, you know, they're like, just serve Pepe's fish and say that it's the stuff that she bought. Um, and they're just all like, mmm, yes, this stuff's really good. I'm going to catch the fish just, now. <laughs> to, to cut in, another thing that just, not even just the drastic shift halfway through the movie, but you also look at the only scene that kind of establishes, other than the male character, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about, if anybody understood a word he was saying in this movie, I don't know. Um <laughs> But you have the moment where he's watching her and all the, the women are, like, topless, you know, tanning, not showing everything off, but, like, you know, still topless. And he's sort of watching her. And then you get this one moment where she's drunk while there's, like, choppy seas. And she's like, oh, I'm kind of seasick. And she's drunk. And she starts flirting with him randomly. But, like, the very next scene, she's just being nasty and disgusting to him again. Mm. So they have, like, this radical shift to out of nowhere – oh, she kind of is into this guy, but no, she's not when she's sober. It's just, I don't know why this movie is so frantic going back and forth. Yeah, I don't get, yeah, I don't get the sort of, you, they, they're trying to have this, you know, subtleness to it of like, oh, but, you know, she's looking at him and, oh, like maybe there's something there. And Because I think the whole point of this is, which is, is lost in everything of this film, is when eventually at the end sort of it comes to the fact that she hates her life, that she's miserable and, you know, kind of the age old, oh, just because I'm rich and have everything doesn't mean I'm happy. At no point in this opening section of the film do we ever see that she's unhappy. Like, she seems to relish being a bitch. And at no point am I feeling like, let's go back to your favourite film of all time, Colin, Titanic. We at least know that Rose is unhappy. We know yeah. that she, in meeting um, Jack, it's an escape for her. You know, it, it's kind of like, yes, this is what she wants, to be happy. And she's not happy because even though she should be because she's rich or we perceive she should be. And this is where I think it's lost as well in this opening is that at no point do you believe she's unhappy. And cool. Ross. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting to see if Rossi had a rebuttal. <laughs> You know, um, <laughs> I just don't. It, this movie like puts the B in subtle. Um, it's just <laughs> not like there's just so many like uh, like that whole thing of when they were like at the very beginning at the d- dinner scene when she's like, "Why are you wearing that shirt?" And he's like, "I thought it'd be casual." Like that whole thing where those girls were talking and they're like obviously spelling out what's going to happen in the future and like. It's just not clear at all. And I was like really thrown back when they were having this debate that you love so much, Colin, about the blind people. I was like, where did this come from? (laughs) Like it came out of nowhere and then it gets dropped. It gets dropped just as quick as uh, the breast cancer in the room. (laughs) Well, that's a good point. It just goes. I've got a theory, though. And again, I don't know what point it was established in this movie, but if you look at the plot outline on IMDb for this movie, it says a snooty socialite is stranded on a Mediterranean island with a communist sailor. <laughs> like, at what point this movie is he communist? The only reason that would be relevant is it would explain why her capitalism would put her at odds with this guy. Like, is she only at odds with him because he's a communist and it's offensive to her <laughs> capitalist values? Well, and that's Because it's weird, too, because, like, going on what Rossi was saying, um, how they... 
they sort of make note of the fact that um, I'm just calling Peppy, whatever his name is, um, that you know his his livelihood is being destroyed by kind of like these people who have like the chemical companies, and it's kind of through that conversation where you know he's trying to stand up and say this sort of stuff, and they want him involved. It's just yeah, like exactly what you said, Rossi. It's kind of just dropped like the breast cancer storyline in the room. It's like. Well, okay, cool. You're leading something here with this. But no, when we're on the island, he just wants to get a little bit rapey and fall in love and then cry at the end. So, okay, cool. That makes sense. I would love a disaster artist film about this. (laughs) Where they talk about the communists and capitalist undertones of the movie and, like, all of that. Like, Like, it would be interesting to see how... You know, Zac Efron as Pepe or whatever. <laughs> James Franco as Madonna. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure he could do well. I mean, it's like because I think in reading a lot of sort of the the notes and the trivia for this, um, the original uh, director of this one uh, from the original movie, uh, Lena Wertmuller, um, apparently left the theater after seeing this remake, crying, saying, "What did they do to them to my movie? What did they do?" <laughs> so, like, she was absolutely terrified about what they did. And we should note that um, Pepe uh, Adriano Giannini. This is actually the son of the guy who played the um, the role in the original. So, <laughs> Guy Ritchie uh, spreading a wide net here when it comes to casting this film. Clearly. <laughs> like, I just want to comment quickly on PP here. Um, like, there's a, a ton of problems with his character as well in this movie. But as far as the actor goes, I made fun earlier. You can't understand a word he says in this movie. I think that's the biggest problem is that his accent is so strong uh, that I just don't know what he's talking about half the time. And I'm, I mean, I'm good with accents. In Winnipeg, we have so many different cultures and everything that like you learn pretty much every accent very quickly. And I could not understand this man. But it's sad because I could tell from his performance that he's probably a pretty good actor. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he was able to convey emotion well in some of these scenes where Madonna wasn't. But the accent is just way too strong that, that it, it becomes distracting. Like you, you can't follow his performance as well as you should. And it's his second movie. And it's uh, his first English-speaking movie. Uh, and apparently, reading here, he was actually he dubbed the Italian voice of Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight. So there's a little thing for you. Um, but, uh, yeah, I agree. And, I, look, I don't think he does badly for the most part. I think, you know, he does... There's, you know, some scenes where I think he really does very well in. And I, I'm probably going to be shut down here when I say this, but I think there are certain scenes where these two actually have good chemistry. Um, it's just kind of a little bit too far gone by the time we should really be caring about these two love-struck teenagers um, getting together on a mm. deserted island. Was the chemistry in the charades, or <laughs> was it before that? The charades. Uh, <laughs> um, well, call. Oh, no, you go, please, Rossi. Sorry. Please go. Well, and you complained that Madonna, you know, did a really bad job of not giving the humor of the character, kind of like in the Mean Girls, where they were able to do that. Mm. But I find that, and not that I 100% disagree, but that I find that Pee-Pee, Pepe, Poo-Poo, whatever his character <laughs> name is, Poo-Poo. got really <laughs> like bad like attempts at humor. Like, when she's talking about the gym, like, there better be a gym. Mm. And he's like, oh, I'll get you the gym. And so he thought it would be a good idea to carry 
the bike from wherever it was to the room. Like, that's not a funny... Like, no one in the human world would ever do that. So why do we think that that's, like, <laughs> ha-ha, funny? And then his attempt at, like, tr- communicating to Madonna was, like, jump, jump with rope. It's, like... That's the stuff I liked. <laughs> what what I think... A, a person. He's not a caveman. Well, but at the same time, I mean, there's there's obviously a language barrier, so he is a bit of a caveman. <laughs> um that's like the thing of if you don't understand somebody just spe- or you just speak a different language and you don't understand each other, just speak slow and fast or or slow and loud. Um, slow and but <laughs> slow and fast. <laughs> Do you understand the words that are coming out of mouth? Um, That's how I speak when I'm in this country. Um, Canadians understand me but, that way. But- Do you want some lunch? <laughs> <laughs> Battlefield Earth, <laughs> uh, but. I think the bigger problem with him is almost that he's he has the opposite issue. Whereas she's seeing none of the humor that her character needs, he's bringing too much humor at the the wrong part. So later on, when he kind of is being not only a dick, he's being somewhat abusive. His performance is conveying like the audience is going to be like, <laughs> he's really giving it to her now. But like, I doubt anybody would read this script and be like, we need. The, the audience to 100% be on PP's side the whole movie or 100% be on Madonna's side. There's supposed that shift in the movie is supposed to be a shift in the audience's uh, likability for the, the characters. And it never happens because both actors are doing it wrong. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think this movie wouldn't fly in uh, 2018. <laughs> um, oh, not, no. <laughs> not even in the slightest because it's, it's, it's basically celebrated that he is abusing her. So, yeah, we'll get to that. But, I mean, uh, honestly, I'm happy to move on to the boat and they're about to get stranded if no one else is anything. Go for it, please. I just want to quickly say, Colin, you had a hard time hearing PP talk. I could not understand one word that those chefs said in the entire movie. Oh, yeah, they were even worse. I needed subtitles and I was waiting for the subtitles and they never came. You you two are racist. Um, No. Okay, can we get a translation? I can understand. <laughs> I can understand what they were saying, and I'm meant to be the racist one on this podcast, so I don't know what's going on. Um, maybe we've just got a lot of Greek and Italian. Well, we do have a lot of Greek and Italians in Australia. Maybe I don't know. Um, all right. So, meanwhile, Madonna wants to go and see some caves, and uh, despite Poo Poo saying no, we can't because the weather could turn bad, and it's a long way. Uh, she makes him do it. So, of course, what's going to happen? The boat's going to break down. And they're stuck on a boat. Uh, so. But why does she even want to go? Okay. Yeah. Earlier in the movie, there was that scene where the, the all the friends were in the water and she was with the umbrella and he's like, it's not going to rain. And she's like, I'm not going in the water or whatever. And now she wants to go on this adventure across the land to this underwater cave or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with no explanation whatsoever. Mm-hmm. In her like formal clothes. Like she doesn't even <laughs> change to a bathing suit. She's like, I'm going to go see my friends in this cavern or whatever in my, like, full, like, comfort beach wear. Like, what? She she didn't want to go they in the bring, water before. They bring no clothes, as you said, that's appropriate, no food, no water, and yet they know that they're driving this boat so far away that they're not even within eyesight. Like, you can't even see this place. And neither of them prepared. It's just, just around, hey, I want to go to these caves. Nobody's ever going to find us again. And this this boat does not look like it would make it that far. 
I mean, oh, never. generally a dinghy like that, you need to be within eyesight of an island. Um, so, I mean, whilst Madonna's been a bitch here, and this Peppy's stupid enough to say yes, the ship captain is also pretty dumb, if he's going to be like, yeah, just let him go. Uh, Madonna's husband doesn't care. Um, so, like, there's a lot of inept people on this boat to allow this to happen. Um, one, one movie kind of going on comparisons, though, and I think it's a fair assumption to kind of compare this one, and Colin, I know it's a movie you love, and uh, I'm not sure about you, Rossi, um, Six Days, Seven Nights, where we kind of have, yeah. a, you know, a man and a woman who despise each other, they get stuck on a plane, and obviously they crash and they fall in love, but I mean, that is done fantastically, um, whereas this, not so much. Um, so, just let's recast this movie with Harrison Ford and Anne Heche, um, yes. have David Schwimmer somewhere involved, and the rest will write itself. Um, so, <laughs> you know, that's, that's how all movies should work. Fran Drescher, we haven't mentioned her in a while, Colin. Um, I'm sure she could do... Would this movie have worked with Fran Drescher instead of Madonna? <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, Pepe, take me to the island. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> worked with a Madonna stand-in, <laughs> like one of those cardboard standees or whatever you see at a venue. Like that would work. It would have worked as like Weird Al Yankovic dressed as Madonna. Um, singing... <laughs> would have worked with Tommy Wiseau. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh hi, Pepe. <laughs> You're tearing me apart, Pepe. <laughs> Don't hit me. I did not. Oh hi, Pepe. <laughs> Oh Lord! Anything's better with Tommy Wiseau. Madonna and Pepe played ba- uh, football on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> oh hi, doggy. Um. Anyway, so they're on a boat. They're stuck. Um. They all of a sudden see land. Um. They waste a flare when they see a boat, uh, which somehow doesn't see them. Okay. Um. She doesn't want to put a jumper on because it smells like fishes. That's a shame. Um. <laughs> They get stuck on an island. But then she automatically, like, loses her, like, shit when he is off the boat for three seconds. Yep, yep. Um, like, out of nowhere, uncharacteristically, she's like, where is he? Where are you? She's so panicky, she uses his full name for the first time in the movie. Which, by the way, can I also point out, nobody has called him Giuseppe mm. up until this point. Like, nobody. The first time we hear the word, or the name Giuseppe, is where she calls it to him here after he disappears. Another flaw. We, we don't even know this. She knows the man's name before we do. Well, it's Madonna. She's smart, apparently. Um, so <laughs> they're on the island. Um, he looks around and he can't see anything. I do kind of like the conversation, though, when she's like, I'm, so, I'm going to sue you. And he's just sort of like, there's no phones, no lawyers. What? I do kind of like that bit when they're shouting at each other. Um, but this, that was stupid. Yeah. I swear those are the lyrics to the theme from Gilligan's Island, too. <laughs> Just come right up on the bar. I don't know how that goes. Madonna's on an island now. She's going to sue. That's exactly how Gilligan's Island goes. Um, but yes, yeah, so essentially this is where things turn, though, because he realises Peppy, Poo-Poo, Poo-Pee, Pee-Pee is all like, oh, I'm in control, and drops a lot of swear words. And basically, he lucks into finding a house on an island. Oh, what luck. Uh, 
Can I point out something about this house? Another thing the movie never explains to us. He goes to the top of his house. Well, there's no sign of life anywhere. Five minutes later, he walks in. There's a perfectly built shelter with a bed that's still made. And if you look in the sand, there are about a thousand footprints everywhere. Like somebody has been there very recently. And it's an island that we're going to see a boat visit at least once before showing up again. And, like, as we learn at some point in the movie, you were all over the news. It was all on the world. Where are the helicopters? Where are the planes? Like, I mean, this is the Mediterranean. (laughs) It's been 24 hours of them drifting. Like, they didn't go across the Atlantic. Look, everybody look at a map right now and look at the Mediterranean Ocean and the, the vastness of that ocean, right? I watched Lost for six seasons, and they're in the middle of the Pacific, and people complain that had plot holes, all right? There's a reason they didn't get found, people. You could turn the island, it could disappear. This is the Mediterranean. People can swim across it. Uh (laughs) I would have loved if they just, like, washed up on shore, and, like, they looked up, and there was the Statue of Liberty or something. (laughs) (laughs) You maniacs! You blew it up! And there's a big statue of Tommy Wiseau, which is... <laughs> oh, hi, Lisa. <laughs> it's the island of bad movies. Uh, <laughs> John Travolta's there in his Battlefield Earth makeup. Um, <laughs> Do you want lunch? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, I'm just reading my notes here. There's something about a hairy black midget. Um, <laughs> Mungle Dog. <laughs> um, I stopped looking at my notes like 20 minutes ago. She wants to buy his fish. Um, 10,000. 10,000. I'm hurt. I need some fish. And then basically he starts hitting her. I mean, the first one, fair enough. She hits him first, doesn't she? So, like, fair enough, self-defense. But from after that, no, all right? <laughs> like, it just gets a little bit weird. It goes on and on and on. It's, like, it's it's weird because I don't, there's nothing, I, I it's just, it, it gets to a disturbing level almost. And I don't know if that's because we're seeing this in our day and age now where this is obviously something that you're not going to see on film just so casually. And, I mean, even in 2002, I want to think that, it, you know, it's not the 1950s, you know what I mean? But, like, this is just almost borderline, just, it's too much. Um, and then, basically, he's in control now. In order for him to give her food, you know, he, he makes her his slave. And, again, kind of going back to the points that both of you were making, you know, this is a, this is the turning point in the movie. This is the part where... You know, we want him to, I guess, get his revenge on her because she was so horrible to him. But it just, it just goes too far. It's just way too far. And that's when it basically leads to this, this very, you know, full on rape scene, essentially, which kind of, you know, it's, it's even at the point where she's basically like, you know, stop it. Like you're hurting me. And it's kind of, it just, it's just way too much. And that this chase down the beach, this kind of like rape scene when all of a sudden she's like, yes, I want it. And he's like, no, I'm not going to give it to you. And then five seconds later, she's kissing his foot. <laughs> and they finally have sex. Um, have I just covered a whole bunch there? I think so. Um, but it's just, it's, yeah, it's just too much. It's too much to kind of, you know, go from one side to the other. This is the one part of the movie where there is no subtlety. Um, we could have easily accepted this 
because I think it's set up well too. Like I'm not going to knock Guy Ritchie for everything in the script. The fact that we had that conversation earlier about the capitalism and all that, you know, when there's that moment of him saying, no, I'm not going to be your slave anymore. You know, you, you want stuff. You're going to pull your weight. You're going to do, if you want to eat, then you're going to do this. You're going to wash my clothes. And he says, you know, that's the law of capitalism. He repeats her words back mm-hmm. to him about the law of capitalism. That's the moment where as an audience was, oh, now he's really giving it to her. And then he's like, all right, do some more chores. Okay. And then we get another scene. All right. Now I want you to uh, fluff my pillow. Okay. Now start calling me master. Okay. Anything like this, any type of joker or uh, seed you want to plant in a movie like this, it should really be done in threes. You know, you introduce it, you play it again, you give one more payoff at the end. There's like 10 separate scenes here, and they're all very brief, which makes it even harder, where it's just him demanding more and more from her, and then it gets to the point where he's pushing her around, like physically pushing her around and all that. And like you said, I don't even think it's a thing about today's day and age. Like, yeah, no way am I condoning uh, what he's doing, but I think the problem here is that there never is that shift of you starting to like her where she's like, Oh, you know, I really shouldn't have done this. Even she's just saying it to herself. You know, I shouldn't have done this. Uh, I, I kind of see his point. And then he starts going too far, and she's like, you know, what else do I have to do? You don't see any change in her. Mm. So when he starts making her call him master, and, you know, he's pushing her around, like, like slapping her and stuff like that. You know, she's, yeah, she's slapping him first, but he's slapping her back and all that. And it just keeps going on and on. As much as I'm saying I don't like this guy anymore, at the same time I'm saying I still don't like her either. Mm. At this point, I just want to turn the movie off because it just becomes uncomfortable. Not uncomfortable because you're watching two very nasty people be abusive to each other, not just him to her or her to him. They're doing this to each other. It's just uncomfortable because it goes on so long. Like this could have been over and done with in three scenes in five minutes, but it takes up a third of the movie. And Rossi, just before you you sort of talk about too the one bit too, like because we have that weird sort of fantasy sequence, isn't it? Too when he's like, "Sing for me," and like to me that oh, that's yeah. just a case of Madonna's like, oh, "I want one scene in this movie where I get to perform," and like it's the one mm-hmm. time in the movie she's great. <laughs> she's not even singing; she's just performing because that's what she does. But um, it's it's kind of a weird thing, and one actually one scene I do kind of like though is I like the bit when he like throws her the octopus and she just kind of drops it. And she's just kind of like, "Sorry, <laughs> I do kind of like that bit." That's kind of funny, but yeah. Anyway, I agree with everything you're saying there, Colin. First of all, this movie yada yadas the fire making, which, as we know from watching Survivor, that that is not an easy task <laughs> to do, especially without flint and steel. You get anyway. that yada yada's the shelter building too, apparently, because we're never explained where that came from. No, no, that was the crew, <laughs> the cast and crew. I think their names were signed on the back. Um, but like, oh, it is so hard to watch, and they you can tell that they're trying to drive this communist capitalist narrative as she is trying to buy her way through this you know situation. Like, I'll buy the fish. How much? And he's like, it is not a price you can pay. <laughs> and, like, it's just, like, we get it. You're supposed to be a good person, but, like, don't, like, continually hit her. And then it just gets worse and worse. Like, call me master. Like, what? I will be your god is one of his lines. <laughs> like, Gods I get, of Egypt. like, trying to, like, teach a lesson, but then it's, like, 
you don't teach someone a lesson by literally doing the same thing that you did to them. Like, like revol- reversing the roles isn't going to work. She's not going to understand now because you're kicking her. Like, if someone kicks me, I'm not going to be like, oh, I was a shitty person yesterday. <laughs> like, that doesn't yeah, you work. you just want to kick them back harder. I'm like, don't kick me. And then I'll, like, attack them. Like, it just gets so hard to watch. I had to skip through it. And it was easy to skip through because there were so many montages Oh, of them oh, falling so above and then mm-hmm. doing this. And I was just like, okay, skip, skip, skip. I was like, oh, still going? Skip, 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 still going? But it's it's it just doesn't make sense with this shift because, like, you could even have a film where you're exploring something like Stockholm Syndrome, you know, where you... I mean, I know she's not exactly captured by him, but, like, it kind of is like she is. But, I mean... <laughs> Is she really going to fall in love with him after he basically just, like, punched her, kicked her, tried to rape her, and then five seconds later, like, like even if it's a case of, well, I'm doing this to survive, then shift the end of the movie, we get rescued, help, help, he tried to rape me, like, do something like that, uh, like, how is it that he falls, she falls in love with him so quickly? What is this, Casino Royale? We, we're... I think misinterpreting one important part of the movie here, like the whole rape scene, as we say, basically what happens is he, he's tackling her to the ground, he's pinning her to the ground, he's basically, you know, saying, I'm going to give it to you right now, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And then he basically stops himself and says, no, I'm not going to do that. It's like, uh, you're going to want me, that's what's going to happen. And he just gets up and walks away. I mean, the purpose of that scene isn't, he's it comes across like he's about to rape her, but I think the whole point of what his character's doing is actually saying, I'm going to make you realize you do want me by going this far and then stopping. And it's like, hey, if you want the rest, you're going to come to me, which still is equally creepy. Yeah. But it's 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 all intended to be in there to show the audience that she really does want this guy. But it doesn't play well because it just comes out of nowhere. Like the the progression of his character going from being a guy who's just frustrated with her, takes her abuse, but he's frustrated with her, to start standing up for himself, to you're going to pull your own weight, to you're going to be my slave, to I'm going to push you around, to I'm going to attempt to rape you, to no, I'm just making you love me. And suddenly she comes up and kisses his feet. <laughs> it's just nothing makes sense. You need to um, – audiences aren't dumb. We get what – Guy Ritchie was trying to do with this movie. It's not that we're dumb and this is going over our head, but you need to still set these things up. It needs to make sense in the context of the story, and none of it makes sense. And considering both of you love montages so much, we then have a lovely montage of them having sex, um, which is which, great. Which, can I just say, was just as bad as The Room. <laughs> well, we didn't quite get to see as many nipples, but we did see a few of Madonna's <laughs> nipples, so that was always a positive. Um, and then all of a sudden, she's better at life because she can rub an octopus on a rock, um, which is nice. Um, uh, she sees a boat the first time and she hides. So, okay. Which, which again, it's like, it's the subtleness and just all this sort of stuff, like about, like, we don't realize she's unhappy. So we're kind of like, yeah, she's, she's had sex with him, like, for a montage. So why all of a sudden is she like, oh no, I don't want to be rescued. It it just, it goes over your head. We need more of her at this point being unhappy or something along these lines because at this point I'm screaming at the screen like, why are you not wanting to get rescued? 
And the problem with that is, I, I think both of you have said it up until this point, um, we don't see any scenes that explain why she should be unhappy with her life. In fact, it's the opposite. You even have, uh, the closest thing you have to the the character saying, your life is terrible, is where Pee-Pee uh, says something along the lines of, you know, your mobster husband, and he just implies that, oh, her husband's like a criminal or whatever, which maybe that's the case. The movie never actually states anything, but the movie also never shows him as being a bad guy. In fact, they kind of show the opposite. He's like, you know what? I know why my wife's a little bit crazy, but could you just, you know, give her what she wants? I want to make her happy. He's a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, they don't show him enough. And the actor, Bruce Greenwood, is like great Canadian actor. He's one of these guys that you'll see in everything. And he played JFK in 13 Days, which is an incredible movie. Um, he, he, one of his uh, the ones he was most famous for was the movie Double Jeopardy with Ashley Judd, which was quite Good big. Movie. But he's, he's a fantastic actor. And he's barely used here. And I think that if you'd given one or two scenes to somebody like him or Elizabeth Banks or anybody else, then these side characters would actually help explain Madonna's character better. Use Elizabeth Banks' character to show how shallow somebody can be so that even Madonna is like, I can't live this shallow life with shallow people. Make Bruce Greenwood a bit of a dirty guy so that you're like, well, I see what she wants out of this life. But they do the opposite with his character because when we're introduced to him, it's like that scene where he, he comes in in the shirt and he's like, why would you wear that shirt? You feel for him in this marriage. You don't feel for her. Yeah, yeah. She's the nasty one. And then they try to flip it at the very end of the movie with yeah. Yeah, the whole ring and stuff. And then we're like, oh, he's a really is a shitty person and whatever. But like, Which, yeah. Oh, I'll wait till we get there because I got a good comment on that it's, one. I mean, you're right. I mean, again, it's going back to Six Days, Seven Nights. You know, David Schwimmer cheats on Anne Hay. So it's kind of like we don't feel as bad for him. And, you know, Billy Zane in Titanic, mm-hmm. you know, like he's... Well, actually, that's a bad example. We, we know Billy Zane's a good guy. Um, <laughs> download our five hours worth of Titanic recap because Colin will yell at me again if I keep talking about it. Um, <laughs> um, what else is happening here? All oh, right, they're in a house, the house that they all built. It's raining. They play charades. Um, I actually like the charade scene. I'm sorry. Oh, I enjoy it. I like the song. It's a great song. Ain't nobody here of us chickens, Lewis Jordan. It's a great song. Um, I enjoy the scene. Leave me alone. Uh, <laughs> but um, it was at this point I thought of how many ways can I kill myself before this happens? <laughs> <laughs> this came up in the movie. Anthony Rossi, the first person to ever commit suicide on the Oz Network. Rub a red dress on yourself before you pull the trigger. <laughs> I put the gun in my mouth. Slow motion. <laughs> I want you to catch up. I put it on the back of my head. <laughs> I want you to throw things all the way around the room. Why, Lisa? Why? Why? I throw my TV out the window. <laughs> is it amazing, though? Can I just say, is it amazing that we covered what's supposed to be the worst movie ever made and for the most part, all decided to buy the movie and have spent more time quoting that in our podcast since than we are the movies we're actually covering. I think I think every year we need to do a yearly catch-up on The Room. Oh, um, Just like definitely. on the same day, right, every year, it's Room Day. <laughs> like, I will, yes. I will commit to that right now. We come up with a day, yes. and every year on that day, we release a re-edit, well, a redone <laughs> movie review recap of The Room. <laughs> Guess what time it is of the year, kids? It's Room Day! Hi, Lisa! More on that later. 
<laughs> anyway, um, they're on the beach. They love each other. Um, we have a conversation about would he, sh- he walk down Fifth Avenue with her. She throws eggs at him. Um, there's more of a montage. There's more naked Madonna. Um, and then they see a boat. And <laughs> this time around, there's no hiding from the boat. And we have this conversation of, you know, let's just hide. And no, I want to see if this is real. You know, you will love me in the real world. No, I'm, I'm, I'm so unhappy. I want to stay here. Where Madonna really fails as an actress is very dramatic, serious stuff. Like, but I love you. I want to be with you. <laughs> like, I love you, Madonna, I can't but go no. Back to my life. <laughs> Stick to writing song lyrics about pain in love, not um, acting it out. Um, and, yeah, I might just sort of cap it here because I think we can lump all the closing stuff together. But, yes, they're being rescued. Yay, this is the part we should be happy about, right? Because I guess you two know it's near the end of the movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's near the end of the podcast, too. <laughs> uh, okay, so a couple of things. This is another example of where I think Guy Ritchie just dropped the ball. There was an interesting idea for where this movie could have gone that he just didn't explore enough when she's upset and saying, you know, do you only love me because I'm the only one here? If, you know, we were out here and you had the choice between an 18 year old and me, you really think you would stick with me. They have their doubts about each other. This would have been a great opportunity to make the last act of the movie. Would these people actually even get along in the outside world? You know, it's like, uh, you know, people who go through traumatic experience. I'm sure both of you have seen or at least know the movie Speed with Keanu Reeves, Great right? Movie. Yes, of course. Come on. Yeah. They even make a point in that movie to say, like, when Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock are about to get it on, it's like, oh, people who meet under, you know, uh, traumatic experiences, the relationships never work out. You could have made that the last act of the movie. Uh, instead, it, it, he does something else, which I think also could have equally been interesting if it had been played right, which is... I need proof. I need to know that you're not just going to go back to your old life. She's like, well, I'll never go back to my old life. And he's like, no, I need to know. She wants to stay there. He doesn't. It doesn't make sense that she would want to stay there because we've never seen her character have any transition. But if they had really just explored that more and made that the, the point of the whole movie, and that would have included showing that she's upset with her shallow life or her mean husband and all those things. And there's one line, which again is just a throwaway line. It is exactly like the room. It's like, are you ever going to bring this up again? Like when she said, um, you don't know anything about me when he's saying, Oh, you spent your entire life just having people serve you. And she says, you know, nothing about me. I thought to myself there, there's going to be something that comes out later on where it's like, she grew up homeless or, you know, she just married into this, but she worked hard her whole life. And now she's just a changed woman because she's let it go to her head. They never bring it up again. And from this point on, it just becomes we know that they both want to be together. So it's never even the question of what they've introduced of. I need this proof. I need to know that, you know, it's it's going to be the same on the outside when you have the choice. Will you give up that life? Both of them are like, yeah, I want you. Yeah, I want you too. Okay, well, let's meet. All right, let's make it incredibly complicated so it'll never actually happen, which we'll cover in the next part. But it's just all the, the, the right ingredients are there, not for a great movie because it's executed so poorly, but the I could see where the original movie might have actually worked with some of this stuff. And if we were any sort of professional podcasters, we probably would have watched the original movie, but um, 
that was in Italian and I only speak English, so... Um, oh, I thought you could understand them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Um, <laughs> the Italian okay, whisperer, Ben Waterworth. <laughs> Quick um, uh, tangent, but just touching on what Colin said, a movie that had a love story in dramatic situations, unusual situations, where they were able to flesh out the characters and they were able to fall in love and stay in love. Wait for it. <laughs> Beauty and the Beast did it better. Aww. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and Six Days, Seven Nights. <laughs> and Ty... Oh, wait, no. Um... <laughs> <laughs> and The Room. Just wanted to mention. But she well, doesn't love Johnny anymore. Oh, did what? I did not get that at all in the movie. When did she say that? I like Mark. No, you've seen a different movie. There's no point in that movie. Did they say that? Her mother all. has breast cancer. <laughs> <laughs> She's going through a traumatic experience. Next, you'll be telling me that um, Tommy Wiseau and Mark were best friends. I never understood any of that part in the film at all. Um, Her secret admirer sells drugs. <laughs> Oh, God, I missed the room. Um, so, uh, they get rescued, and they basically... And he storms yeah. off for no reason. And where's the media? Where is the media? This is a worldwide story of this rich socialite stranded on an island, and they show up to, like, a port in Greece or Italy, and there's, like, nobody there. Like, where is... Like, we're seeing Castaway... Like, I mean, where are the people? The Oceanic Six, or whatever it was. Like, come on, where's the media? Gilligan! Gilligan! <laughs> Tommy Wiseau! <laughs> <laughs> the only, like, media we get is the one guy who tries to, like, bribe pee-pee in the, the bar or whatever. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Um, so he doesn't want a room in the hotel because apparently he's been taken back to the one port where he lives. So lucky for him. Um, and yes, he's at a pub and some guy's bribing him, but he throws the money away. But oh no, he can go buy a very expensive ring with that. Um, <laughs> okay. And then basically he calls her. Um, and why did it take you so long to call? I've been trying to call you. Oh, I love you. I didn't think it would come as strong as this. I love you too, my darling. Uh, <laughs> she just like, leave a message what to do and I'll do it. So he leaves a note to meet her at the pier or something the next day and he leaves a note at the hotel that only to be given to her if she's alone. Like, what the hell is this? Like, why? <laughs> like, I think you mentioned it, Colin. Like, it's so complicated. Like, oh, just, just, oh, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> just get, get out of the hotel. Is this husband, like, again, what, is this husband even more abusive than Pee-Pee on the island? Like, what, she can't just leave him in the middle of the night? Um, anyway, so, yep. And oh. Pee-Pee apparently also gets to, oh, uh, manages to call when she just happens to be walking through the lobby of this hotel. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, no message Very left. Convenient. She just happens to be there with her husband. Oh, I'll take this phone But he has now. been it's calling. Like- it just hasn't gotten through until now. So, you know. Um, 
so yeah, basically leaves this message. Uh, the next morning, she goes down to check if there's any messages for her. There is this receptionist who seems to be hashtag Team Madonna and Peppy gives goes to give the thing, but then the husband shows up and she's all concerned that she can't give the note to him. And then the abusive bastard husband tells her to go away so that that he can get a message and then sees the envelope. And then before you know it, they're on the helicopter and Peppy's waiting for her. And then the helicopter's about to take off. And then bastard husband gives an envelope to Madonna to tip the bellboy or whoever he is, who then goes and gives the envelope to Peppy. And Peppy's all like, no, this is not right. And where is it? And the helicopter's taking off. And the ring's in the envelope. And he runs and he runs and he runs. And the helicopter's gone. Oh, no. And he throws this $50,000 ring into the water. And just like the heart of the ocean in Titanic, it sinks to the bottom. And Madonna has a dream sequence of them all in the Titanic kissing and everybody watching them in the room at the end with Tommy Wiseau going, Oh, hi, Madonna. (laughs) And that swept away. Uh, (laughs) Uh, That's If if people like... I know people are going to be listening to this episode who have never watched the movie because if you see the box office, you'll understand none of us have seen this movie. Uh, Let's just be honest. Ben perfectly described the third act of this movie (laughs) as the classic will they or won't they successfully pass the do you like me note in class. That's what this third act is. It's not are you going to get together. It's do you like me check yes or no I'm going to pass you a note. The note's not going to get successfully passed off to you. You think you're going to open the note, but it's the wrong note. You both want to be together, but the note never exchanged hands. That's the whole third act of this movie. <laughs> like, why? I just set up over the last hour several things that could have amounted to an interesting end to this movie. And as evidence of that, I don't know if either of you have seen this. Ben, you might have because you're a you know, Kate Winslet fan, but – uh, last year, Kate Winslet did a movie called The Mountain Between Us or something like that, no. um, which was similar. This uh, She started it with Idris Elba, who, of course, you know, if he becomes James Bond, will make history by being the first senior citizen to play James Bond. <laughs> oh, Roger uh, Moore. But aside from that, <laughs> second senior citizen <laughs> to play James Bond. But um, that movie was about these two people who are complete strangers. One's on the way to her wedding. The other one... You find out is recently widowed. A plane crashes. They are the only ones to survive. And they spend weeks, months, whatever, surviving in the mountains, uh, basically barely surviving, dying, to eventually get rescued. The end of the movie, not to spoil it too much for people, is basically about this. These two people who kind of semi-fall in love during this extreme circumstance... When they're in the real world, what would happen? That was a great way to make a movie. And I don't even think that The Mountain Between Us is a great movie. But it's similar to this, but it played up on the right things, and it ended in just the right way. There is no way that this ending satisfies anybody. And I'm not one of these people who wants the perfect happy ending. I think, you know, there are a million ways you could have ended this movie. You could have had it where she gets the note, but, you know... She just can't do it. It's like maybe a Titanic thing. Oh, you know, I'd like to, but my mother needs this money that I get from my husband. She has to stay with this life because it's about protecting somebody else. Anything but this. And the thing that makes it all the more frustrating is that 
they are trying to play it as, well, the husband tricked her in the end. He He's standing in between these two. This is his wife. And we have not seen him do one wrong thing. In fact, all we've seen him do is treat his wife like gold. Now, if Jamie were to one day get stranded on a deserted island with Henry Cavill... You're screwed. <laughs> you know, she gets woo-hooed in the background. <laughs> and she comes home, and I suspect or even intercept a note where I'm like, Henry Cavill and Jamie want to run off together. I'm doing the same thing Bruce Greenwood's no, doing. No, you're I'm not. You're going to. You're running off with Henry Cavill yourself. <laughs> I'll join you. Well, okay, maybe maybe it's not Henry Cavill. Maybe it's like Jason Momoa or something, <laughs> or Ben Affleck. You know, a lesser man. But um, but still, like, if this ever happened to me, I'm 100 percent on Bruce Greenwood's side. I'm not going to let them talk, nor should I. This is his wife. He's done nothing wrong, and. In all honesty, she's a changed person now. From what we've been told in this movie, her character would go back to this shallow life, a changed woman, and end up a better wife, a better friend, a better philanthropist. She's going to be a good person. What's she going to be with Pee-Pee? She's going to turn into a communist. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for the sequel, the long-awaited sequel to Swept Away to see what she's been up to. Um <laughs> Rossi, your thoughts on the ending? <laughs> they spend the entire time on the island trying to convince us that these people are going to be in love. Yes. And <laughs> you want, like, you don't even, that's the ending they want us to give us in the second half of the movie. Second, like, third of the movie. Is that these people are going to fall in love and they're going to stay in love. And the movie's like, ooh, we're going to be clever, and we're not going to give you that ending. But why waste our time for the entire movie convincing us that they're going to fall in love just to have them not fall in love? It's like the biggest like tease ever. <laughs> it's just such a letdown. Like, it's, not a, it's not even a tragic ending. It's just, it's just a dull ending. It was just so upsetting. Like, I don't even, like, Colin, Colin made a good point. Like, I don't need to have the perfect ending. Like, I don't need to have, like, the beautiful, like, rainbows and, like, and they live happily ever after. But, like, at least give us a deserving ending. Give us something that's worth, you know, our enjoyment. Like, give us something enjoyable to watch. Like, that was just uh, so unfortunate. And I do have to disagree about her husband. If he has any slight inkling that she's not going to be, like, happy why is he forcing her to be married to him she's not forcing he was she was perfectly happy married to him before he hasn't done well, anything wrong we learned that she was unhappy in her life i can only assume a part of it maybe because her marriage so that's why, never told so us in the movie though well why would he force her if he obviously she obviously has feelings for someone else and he's forcing her to stay married He's been stuck. She's been stuck on an island with one person. I, I, if she she was probably thinking to herself, at least this is what would be going through my mind if this is my wife. He didn't hey, do it out of love. Made- he did it out of greed. No, he didn't. Yes, what he does did. he need? He doesn't get anything from her. He gets a miserable woman. Yes. So what does he get? Nothing. But he still so he wanted that. She has, money. she has money. He doesn't. I'm telling you this as the married person on this podcast. If this were my wife. I'm going to say, don't talk to that guy. <laughs> because you're being selfish. Be 
No, it's not Jamie's selfish unhappy. at all. It's my wife. Let you... Jamie be with Henry Cavill. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Colin. You're being so inconsiderate. No, this is... It's you're such forcing a, her. It's such a wrong ending for the movie because he's not a bad person. And let's look at he's this realistically. <laughs> Yes, he is. He he wore a nice shirt. She insulted him. He treated her to this cruise. He never said anything bad to anybody. He was polite to the staff when she wasn't. This isn't – he's not – there's nothing wrong with the husband in this movie. We don't know enough about him to know if he's a good person or not. There's nothing good about him. What's good about him is that he's not willing to just let his wife run away because she was stuck on an island with but some she's guy. <laughs> she's not a little disgusting. Yes, I love her. I love that she's the one holding her back from being with the abusive rapist, Rossi. Don't you remember? <laughs> they got drunk. They did charades. They made love. How, how is it that the biggest debate um, probably in the history of you two I've ever heard is on the podcast was swept away? Uh <laughs> Because it, it, Colin is an idiot when true love is involved. <laughs> but the fact is, it's, he's in love with his wife. She, like, she, why should he give her up? He's fighting to keep her. <laughs> I, I, he didn't fight. He just tricked <laughs> her to stay married. Not tricking at all. Okay, this is my whole point. Madonna at one point probably thought we'll never be rescued. Now, if Jamie's on that deserted island and she has sex with Henry Cavill. I'm waiting for her reaction. She doesn't need to be on a dessert. Colin, she's already gone into another room to think about that a little bit further. It's all good. (laughs) But if that happens, in some way I'm going to think to myself, you know what? She was probably thinking she was there forever. She was never going to come back to me or Casper or anything else. But when she's back, she's back. She still agreed to marry me. Colin, Colin. You know, she still agreed to be forever. If Mallory is off with Henry Cavill. One of the Ryans. (laughs) Ryan Gosling or something like that on a deserted island. She comes back. Are you intercepting the note? Colin, if, if Mallory you, is you on a what? deserted island with Ryan Gosling, she ain't coming back, all right? She is there forever. There would be military trying to drag her off the island, and she's planting herself on that island never to be seen again. If I, if I, see, if I see a news story saying Ryan Gosling missing with a random Canadian girl expected dead... <laughs> I'm assuming I'm screwed. All right, back on to, you know, finding someone else. Well, let's let's stick with Ryan Gosling because you know if it's Ryan Reynolds, he's going to divorce her in about three weeks. <laughs> but uh, Ryan Gosling is more class than that, right? But, like, here's the thing. He is not a good guy, like, like uh, Italian guy, PP or whatever. He's not a good guy from what we've seen. We don't know anything is wrong with the husband. There's a very easy way to spin this movie where that husband is the hero. And... We also know that this is a woman who has already told at least one character in this movie, I'm going through a midlife crisis. Do we honestly believe that if she ends up with this guy, she's sticking with him? That she ends up with Pee-Pee, she's sticking with him? They're broken up three weeks later in all reality. I, I, and she's come- I agree with everything you said, but here's a curveball for you. Seems as you've got a castaway picture as your uh, profile one on our swept away. <laughs> Um, when Tom Hanks comes back into Helen Hunt's life, she's gotten married and moved on, but she's still yeah. technically married to Tom Hanks, though. So where's the line there? Well, they were only engaged, if you remember Castaway. But there's a perfect example of how a movie like this is done right. Helen Hunt's like, you know what? Like, we were engaged. I would rather be with you, but I made a commitment to my husband when you were gone, and I'm not going to throw away my entire life for this. 
And he, he's like, fine, I'll move on. Castaway is not the wrapped up in a neat little package ending, sorry to spoil it for everybody, uh, that any other movie is. I think Castaway is one of the great endings in movie history because it's completely not what you expected and it's completely realistic. This movie is not realistic. This this movie just makes no sense. It's not realistic because um, Madonna is nice for about five minutes in this movie. Is that basically what we're trying to say? <laughs> or to think that there are this many men who are just that desperate to be with this woman forever. Well, I mean... This was clearly written by her husband at the time. <laughs> um... All right, swept away. We're done. Um, basically, if anyone didn't know, uh, this was a huge bomb. Um, oh, what was it? It ever? cost $10 million to make. It made about $598,000 at the um, box office in North America. Uh, so badly did it do that the UK, the nation of Guy Ritchie, refused to show this in movies <laughs> and sent it straight to DVD, probably even VHS still in 2002. Um, it was just absolutely panned. Um, it swept the Razzies in 2002. <laughs> uh, can I just point out the uh, the great year that was 2002 and the winners of the Razzies? So this beat out Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones, <laughs> Pinocchio, the Italian dude one, Crossroads, which we've already mentioned, a film which I actually wish we kind of had a done. Maybe we'll have to do it next year in Bad Movie Month because I actually really do like this movie, The Adventures of Pluto Nash, and Swept Away One. Um, Madonna won the worst actress tied with Britney Spears in Crossroads. Um, the same year, worst supporting actor went to Hayden Christensen in Attack of the Clones. The worst actor went to Roberto Benini in Pinocchio, beating Adriana Gianni in Swept Away. Big year for the Italian actors in, uh, 2002 <laughs> in the worst actor. And pop stars. Um, worst uh, supporting actress in 2002 also went to Madonna in Die Another Day. And worst screen couple to Adriana Giannini and Madonna in Swept Away. Worst remake or sequel, Swept Away. Worst director, Guy Ritchie, Swept Away. Worst screenplay, Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones by George Lucas. Um, and there was a couple more. But, uh, yes, clearly not good. Eventually lost to Battlefield Earth for worst movie of the decade. Ah, right. There you go. See, didn't quite win all the Razzies. Um, so that's good, right? Um, has 5% on Rotten Tomatoes right now, uh, 2.8 out of 10. Uh, Metacritic has 18 out of 100. Um, Roger Ebert said, despite Richie's relatively faithful adaptation, the original Swept Away was incomparably superior and the remake's fatal flaw was utterly missing vitality or emotional resonance of the main character's um, he additionally wrote that Madonna's character starts out so hateful that she could never really turn it around or to gain any redemption of believable change. Similarly, A.O. Scott of the New York Times wrote, In her concerts, music, videos and recordings, Madonna has often been a mesmerizing performer, but she is still not much of an actress. Striking a pose is not the same as embodying a person, and a role like this requires the surrender of emotional control, something Madonna seems constitutionally unable to achieve. Um, wow constitutionally unable to... That's a big, big statement. Um, yeah. Anybody else want to add anything on this? Because I think we're going to get to our reviews. You need to talk about, in Roger Ebert's review, where he talks about the ending, 
and says that he has come this far with these two drips, sailed with them, shipwrecked with them, listened to their tiresome conversations, and he he demanded they come to a conclusion more than a misunderstanding based on a letter. See, he even <laughs> wants the true love story to work out. I should admit, he just wants anything more than "Oops, I forgot to pass off your note." <laughs> The plot. They were in love, and Roger Ebert even saw it. The plot keywords of this film is there's really nothing exciting. <laughs> we have star vehicle, um, sailor, male objectification, female nudity, ship captain, mental abuse, fish. Oh, what's the highest uh, rating fish movie on IMDb? Uh, the Meg. Oh, there you go. Um, coming soon to the Oz <laughs> Network. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's nothing really exciting here. Let's get to our reviews. Um, hmm. What are you two going to do with this one? I wonder. <laughs> um, well, first I'm just going to say, I mean, I can appreciate, you know, Ben <laughs> wanting to make this movie uh, or do this podcast out of appreciation for Madonna or whatever. Because it's funny, just this past week I had to uh, examine myself because uh, I had some friends over and they were... We we're talking about bad movies, and I mentioned this really bad movie, Valerian. But because Rihanna is in it, I fully accepted the movie, and I'm like, oh, you know what? It's a terrible movie, but I was willing to stick with it because Rihanna's in it. <laughs> Which, by the way, I mean, if I'm stuck on a deserted island with Rihanna, I'm not. I'm. I'm sure Jamie's going to forgive me for whatever I do, but <laughs> I don't expect her to intercept the note. Uh, <laughs> wow. I expect her to allow true love. <laughs> the but um, but like I get you know being a fan of somebody so you can appreciate a movie like this i'm kind of the same way even with john travolta you know i can appreciate battlefield earth because i love john travolta and i even love what he does in that movie this movie is far worse than battlefield earth (laughs) battlefield earth at least has some humor about it that we can make fun of and the fact is this is just it's just an unlikable movie all around Uh, i can't think of anything enjoyable in here and I think there's just as many plot holes as the room, and I think it's just as uh, what would be the word um, confusing or, or nonsensical as Gods of Egypt. This is the dullest and the most pure bad movie we reviewed on here. So this is a clear bin. Uh, I don't know if Rossi, you wanted to go next. <laughs> sure, I'll go. Um... <laughs> You know, with the movie that had sometimes more cuts than an action movie. <laughs> um, it's hard not to like not like this film. Um, no. <laughs> this has probably been, like, the worst movie we watched. Only because it's not so bad, it's good. Mm-hmm. I feel like The Room and some parts of Battlefield Earth, although I did like the movie, some parts of it were like, you can laugh at it, we still talk about you want some lunch? <laughs> like, we still talk about that. Um, so I feel like there's some merit in that. And God's YouTube was bad, but I feel like this is... At least I could get through that. This was uncomfortable to watch sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, that whole beach stuff was just so bad. So buy it? So, um... <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to shipwreck it with Madonna. Yes. <laughs> Alright, well, I'm renting it. You thought I was going to buy this movie, didn't you? Um, but I thought you were going to at least rent it. I am it. renting it. We're I am. Waiting. I am going to rent oh. it. <laughs> like, 
I don't disagree with anything that's really been said on this, and it definitely has its problems, but I can still at least find some charm in the, the charade scene, which I think is fun. I like the dream sequence. I do like just a few bits on the boat that kind of, you know, made me laugh, and I like Madonna, so I can probably tolerate this film a lot better than you two can. Um, would I rush out to watch this movie anytime soon again? No. Um, but it's on the very low rent scale. It's definitely gone down a lot since I first watched it, you know, all those years ago. But, you know, I still see myself watching this movie again one day, whereas you two are just going to forget this ever happened. Um, I then have to ask you guys, so I'm guessing if we're rating our four movies, I've only been involved in two of these, but I'm assuming that this is going to be the bottom of the barrel, the room's going to be the top. Am I, am I guessing both of your ratings there correctly, and what's your middle two going to be? I mean, I well, first, um, I just want to say I think a version of this movie I will watch again is when uh, Tommy Wiseau redirects <laughs> this with Rihanna and John Travolta uh, <laughs> as the lovers on the beach that I'll watch. But no, I mean, I, you're completely right. The Room is by far the best bad movie. Swept Away is by far the worst bad movie. I'd probably give Battlefield Earth a slight nod over Gods of Egypt just because it made a little bit more sense and had a little bit more likable cast in it. Um, For mine, I'll probably go The Room, obviously. And I think I'm going to go, even though I said Battlefield Earth had some good moments, I'm going to actually go with Gods of Egypt just because if I'm looking at the whole of the movie, like, some of Battlefield Earth was too bad. Like, gold... And trade disputes and <laughs> war prophecies. And I just could not sit through those boardroom stuff. And, like, it was just too bad. So I'll have to put that third and then this last. Because at least Battlefield Earth was watchable on, like, this. All right. Final question then for you both. Colin, die another day or swept away? Die another day. And Rossi, and, yeah. swept away or the Star uh, Wars holiday Christmas special? Oh, the Star Wars Holiday Christmas yeah. Oh, come off it. No. <laughs> this is officially the worst thing we have ever talked about. Even worse than Titanic? <laughs> some, like, sexy women in yes. the holiday special. It's not worse than Dirty Dancing. I will not have that. Yes! No! It is! No! Can I, can I just add something here, though? This is the fun with doing Bad Movie Month. Now, this, the whole thing came about because we're like, not only would it be fun to actually talk about some things where we can bin... <laughs> as opposed to just things we're huge fans of, especially coming off of, you know, Ben and I were doing Jurassic Park and Mission Impossible, where we pretty much loved all those movies, and that's, how many weeks is that? Uh, five, ten, half a year, <laughs> let's say. Let's get some things where we could just really have fun criticizing it, but also the idea that we can have defenses. You can have somebody like Jamie, despite seemingly hating everything about Battlefield Earth, rented Battlefield Earth. Um the room, we two of us bought the room. <laughs> Swept away, Ben still clinging to some delusion where this is a watchable movie. <laughs> She's renting it. But just the fact that, like, I tried so hard to find any other podcast, and I even searched bad movie podcasts and spent a good half hour going through lists that all the other bad movie podcasts covered. I haven't seen anybody cover Swept Away before. So, I mean, let, let's, let's, let's get the word out there that this is... A podcast-worthy movie. Um, now, now, having sat through this for the last hour and a half talking about it, uh, I don't know if I want to put anybody else through that, but 
I, I think we could at least claim one thing out of Bad Movie Month. We're gonna, we're the first podcast to ever talk about Swept Away. And next year, we're going to be the first to ever talk about The Adventures of Pluto Nash. Or has that already been done? Uh, <laughs> we, we can, I've already come up with a few good ideas for next we year, could, We can Google it. Can I also just point out, too, that this is the 99th movie that we have uh, rated, ranked, or watched in some form on this podcast. So uh, the next one, which I believe probably going to be The Meg... Uh, will be our 100th. Um, so that's just a nice, cool little stat. But uh, I guess kind of from this point on, it's been fun doing Bad Movie Month. But our next month really is kind of revisiting one we did last year, Colin. We're doing uh, Anniversary Month again, which we've talked slightly about. We will be doing, as I just alluded to, The Meg. We'll probably be doing a sort of a, a review episode of that eventually. But um, we've, we've alluded to this slightly, our Anniversary Month, uh, which essentially is going to be uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey Greece, Last Action Hero, and the 1998 Godzilla. So, Rossi, uh, how how are your feelings on those movies? Have you seen those? Any interest in joining us for any of those ones, potentially? I haven't seen them. Don't really care. Okay. <laughs> that was a- and that's the last you'll hear from Rossi <laughs> until RuPaul's Drag Race starts in January. Well, I, I'm pretty... Uh, well, we're doing Amazing Race Canada. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. We do have another show... On weekly here. That's right, and third watch and lost and uh, nip tuck. I should mention though that um, uh, we we're hopefully going to be doing Greece in person, Colin, because uh, I'm yeah. flying to your fair in city. Greece? Whoa! <laughs> Shut up, Rossi. Uh, in like about two weeks. <laughs> so yourself, me, uh, Jamie, and Mallory all hopefully sitting in a room together, um, <laughs> doing doing Greece. There you go. <laughs> we want video. We want yes, video. that needs to be a video podcast. <laughs> um. So yeah, how many how many times has John Travolta get shirtless in Greece? I've never seen it. So, um. <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm sure Jamie could tell us, <laughs> and you as well. How many times is Travolta shirtless in Greece? <laughs> she Not doesn't enough. know, but she's smiling. She's thinking about it. <laughs> she's going back to her room again. Um, it's, it's been fun. I mean, I've been here for fifty percent of these bad movies, so I'm I'm sure we will be back again next year. And as always, remember to like us on Facebook. Subscribe, we're on Twitter, we're on YouTube, we're on all the places that you can um, get podcasts and stuff. And uh, yes, the room anniversary day coming soon to a year, every year. Um, my name is Ben, and ain't nobody here but chickens. My name is Colin, or should I say Giuseppe, or should I say Pepe, or should I say Pee or should I say Poopoo? <laughs> And my name is Rusty, and you will call me Master. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.